0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Compound and Friends. It is Tuesday. We have an all-new edition of What Are Your Thoughts? Uh, Michael and I talked about Home Depot, retail earnings in general. We tackled that trillion-dollar credit card debt meme that's been going around all week, and we went deep on Michael Burry, who I have nothing but respect for. I just don't like when the media turns his hedge fund trades into personal financial advice for regular retail investors so we tackle that as well there's just a lot in the show i think you guys will really enjoy it hope you do and if you do make sure to leave us a rating and review okay with no further delay here is what are your thoughts Welcome
1: to The Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by Josh Brown, Michael Batnick, and their castmates are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.
0: Okay gangsters, let's see what we got going on in the chat. Sean is here, Jay Luther, Dave Arry, Nicole is out here, John Carlo, Sean Flynn, Jack Rosenfield. everybody's here. This is a really exciting night. Uh, It's a big week, it's Retail Earnings Week, we're gonna get into that. We got some some interesting stuff uh, to talk about with respect to credit card debt. We're gonna get into a whole host of things. Um, but before we get started, Michael, say hello to the folks. Hello, folks. <laughs> uh, would you like to tell us who tonight's sponsor is?
1: Sure, it's our good friends at Y Charts. I, I mean, you already know I use this all day, every day, literally all day, forty times a day, a hundred times a day. There's so
0: much Y Charts in the doc tonight.
1: So tonight they want us to cover an enhancement
0: mm.
1: to their to their scenarios tool, which Ben and I have spoken about. What you can do is you can build hypothetical scenarios that include a future end date. You could use 10-year total returns or custom returns, DCA, different this, drawdown scenarios. I mean, it's really it's really incredible, the the new enhancements to their scenarios tool. Check it out. Link in show notes. You know
0: the deal. Give them a shout. That's right. It's ycharts.com slash what? Slash Lincoln show notes. Animal oh. dash. Yeah. That's okay. too many dashes. And enhanced for your pleasure. So, wow. all right, let's, wow. uh, let's start the show. I wanted to start off with retail and uh, the consumer. I thought, I thought of this week as kind of the week where we just kind of get confirmation of everything CEOs have been saying. So a lot of CEOs uh, touch consumer, uh, you know, Disney and, and Netflix and everyone else. But retail is like where the rubber hits the road. And if they're singing a different tune, maybe there's some meaning there. But by and large, what we heard from Home Depot this morning is pretty much what I expected to hear. And I think the market expected to hear. So I just want to go through this really quickly. Um, Before you do, let me just say one thing, just to set the stage. You're right. This is where the rubber, not hits the road, it's where
1: it meets the road. 70% of US GDP is consumer spending. So it's the whole enchilada. Back to you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh it's really what moves the stock market. It's it it's way more important than anything going on, on the on the demand on the supply side. But let's so first first things first, actually, July retail sales came out this morning also. And this is a release that comes out from the Commerce Department every uh every month for the prior months this is July retail sales, seasonally adjusted increase of 07 percent for the month. That's way too hot. above too hot. Too hot. Way above the 0.4% estimate, according to Dow Jones. Um, if you pulled out autos, sales rose a full 1%. And again, that's also against the 0.4%. What's interesting about that is consumer price rose 0.2. That's the CPI. So in real terms, uh, consumer spending is actually accelerating. It's hot. not just an absolute. It's hot. Uh, July numbers were boosted by a 1.9% jump in spending at online retailers, I think that that's maybe the start of, uh, I know, is it Amazon Prime Day in July or is it? Do, yeah, yeah, uh, well, I
1: think it sounds right. Chart on real quick, this this online stuff. So department stores, I mean, that's obviously in secular decline. It'll eventually asymptote to zero, right? Uh, is it? Does it surprise you? Like if you were to guess what percentage of retail sales are done online, would, I don't know, was it 16%? Would that surprise you?
0: I, I think I would – oh, there it is. It's right there, 60.8%. I it's, would think it's higher. It's complicated because I watch the way Sprinkles does this. She's playing <laughs> – no, because she's playing both sides against each other. She's omni-channel. She's the omni-channel <laughs> queen of Long Island. I have to be honest with you. She will buy online multiple sizes and colors of the same thing. Go to Look the store. Dude, it's the playbook. I mean, I was just talking about animals with Robin. She I said, did you just it...
1: buy 1700 dollars worth of clothes from a
0: company called Revolve?
1: Who the hell is Revolve? It'll
0: net out to 100 dollars She's gonna return she... the other $16. I just
1: saw, I just saw sixteen hundred and ten dollars <laughs> worth of returns. Yes. You're right, it's Omni Channel. Then they go back to the all physical
0: right. store. So I don't know who the I don't know who the hell is paying for this. It's <laughs> all this acti- It's a lot of activity.
1: No, but for real, at that chart, I wonder if you do like non-grocery. Because
0: people want their produce. I get I, I like to touch my vegetables. You know what I mean? Uh someone's asking, do we have a genesis of the name Sprinkles? James Sykes is asking. That's her stage name. When I took her off the oh, stage, boy. I said oh, she boy. could keep it. Wow. Um, but we had to change everything else Over the about line. her. Over so, the line. All right. Uh it it's a cartoon dog. Is the it's not that it's not that exciting. It's a it's a show called Blues Room, which was a blues clues spin-off. And one of the talking dogs looked like like my wife, according to my baby daughter at the time. So she (laughs) sprinkles ever since. Home Depot reported, double beat, reaffirmed guidance, beat on the top line, although they guided lower for this number a while ago. So they beat a lower hurdle, Um, beat on the bottom line too, and approved a $15 billion additional buyback program. What the CEO said, I feel like is like the perfect encapsulation of- The economy circa this summer, Uh, actually CFO, said, quote, continued caution on the part of consumers when it comes to larger ticket, more discretionary spending, because most of them already made those purchases in 2021. Yeah, you already did it. Right. You don't need another dishwasher if you bought one two years ago. But then he said, uh, pandemic dynamics are reversing too. Transportation costs are lower. Vendors aren't coming to Home Depot with requests for price increases. The supply chain disruption is quote largely behind us. So that is the perfect encapsulation, I think, of this earnings season. It's like, yeah, revenue growth is slower, the consumer's calming down, but the costs are falling even faster. Here's your earnings beat. Yeah? One of the things that I've, yes. One thing that I'm
1: noticing a lot of a lot of retailers saying is resiliency in all areas of the income spectrum, both high and low income earners are. Resilient, from uh, yes. Visa,
0: Mastercard down to Chipotle and Starbucks. Yes. So Home Depot's big ticket comparable transactions down five and a half percent year over year. All right. Again, we did those transactions. We we lapped we lapped a period where people were buying everything. Can I tell car- you something? To do it the, again. Those numbers are
1: super impressive. What was it? Yeah. Down five con- compared to the like. I'm sure those are ridiculous comps compared
0: to tw- compared to pre pandemic. I said this on TV today. The thing that people have gotten wrong about Home Depot, and and I only figured this out like recently, it's not like I knew, it's not a cyclical business. When interest rates are low, the housing market's on fire, people are buying giant houses and they're getting big ticket things done, right? Like, Like when, but then when interest rates go higher, you don't get a complete drop off. You get a switch in behavior. People are forced to stay in place. You can't sell a house right now. Well, guess what well, else? Are, are these are these purchases they renovate? Being, are these purchases being financed? Probably not for the most part. I'm sure some are. Hey, do we have the no, chart? No, but it's, you can't. But you can't, if you can't sell a house, what's the next best thing? We do your house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in an economic recession, people do what's called nesting. They don't go out and spend money in Las Vegas. They'll spend it within their own four walls. It makes them feel better. So Home Depot has less cyclicality than a lot of other specialty retailers.
1: John, do we have the chart? Do we have the chart of Home Depot's earnings? I put some big E's on there. So, Josh, you remember two earnings ago? So two E's. There we go. Two E's ago. Yeah. On the gap down. I think you said you want to buy Home Depot, but you're, you think you'll get it at two seventy. Yeah. Guess who didn't buy it? Well, it never got. It got close. It it, it, it got as low as two seventy seven. It's had a sick rebound. Yeah. Last earnings call. I don't quite remember honestly what they said, but given that. We've seen this trend play out, this this earnings quarter, chart-off please, that we've been speaking about. Companies that are beating, are the stock is not responding well. Companies that are missing are, getting, are, are also getting punished. And th- this company double beat and raise, or, or $15 billion buyback, and the stock
0: was flat on the day. I'd say that's a win, given where it came from. Yes. Um, before we move on, can we get a Mudroom update? I'm being asked in the chat. What do you want to know? I don't how to, how to cut to came out well. Any supplies from Home Depot involved in that project? I feel like I overpaid, if I'm being honest. Uh, I think I it even, was. I haven't seen the room.
1: I think it, so. The room is the room is eight by ten, give or take. I don't That's know small. ten by ten. It's small. Yeah, it's small. Yeah. And they did a great job. But what they did was they put down. And not 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 that I could do this. They put down like wooden planks, put down a floor, put down tiles, and put on some high hats. And I think I paid like. I don't know, maybe nine thousand or ten thousand. She, they sheetrocked it, oh, and the in, and they
0: insulated it.
1: All right, so how much did that cost? I feel like I could have got. Same, a, I feel
0: like hold I, on, is it the same temperature as the house or the rest of the garage? You know, I think they put ah. sheet. I, I put well,
1: whatever. I feel like I feel like I could have, I could have, I could have bargained. Anyway, the moment was great. Thank you for asking.
0: Um, the funny part <clears> of that story <throat> is that Sprinkle sent you her her general contractor. And oh, that asshole! Like forty thousand dollars, dude. I like that
1: guy. I've used him before, but he
0: literally quoted me at like forty. I was like, "What are you nuts?" He took your temperature. I'm insulted. They do that to me at Bobby Vans, and they bring me the wine list, and they let their finger oh, linger yeah? over. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, he a needs a new thermo- bottle he, of wine. He, he needs a new thermometer because I paid ten. All right. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, Home Depot quarterly net sales. This is the thing, and this is the Bears hate this this phenomenon. Uh, this is two straight quarters of negative year-over-year sales, and that could very well continue uh, for the balance of the year. I don't think anybody would really fight against that. Um, Margins, it does, and it and it and it just doesn't matter. It's still five billion dollars in quarterly profit, and I don't know fifty billion in revenue, and the stock is like stable in in the in the presence of that kind of drop off in in revenue. And I know that makes the the bears nuts. But that's just the, re- the reality. It's I mean, it's it's Home Depot. So um 15 billion share buyback. Uh that's I mean, that's it's not a huge number, but relative to the market cap, it's pretty big, right?
1: Uh I'm looking now. Their shares outstanding were like 1.15 billion in 2018. Yeah, the shares, I mean they they've been aggressively buying back stock. Yep. Looks like it was 2.9 billion, 1.5, 1.5, I mean, they buy back a lot of stock.
0: Okay, uh later this week we're going to get Walmart and Target. One of them is Wednesday, one of them is Thursday and I forgot. They'll both be before the open. So this one's interesting to me because uh there's a huge difference between Walmart and Target since last spring when they both had profit warnings. I wonder let's, is the
1: ratio chart an all time high of Walmart divided by Target? Let me check. Go
0: ahead. I didn't order, I didn't order that. Let's put let's put the one we have up. Uh so you could see in May that both these stocks blew up. I guess they were reporting first quarter uh, earnings and they warned for the rest of- Oh, that was the 20- inventory.
1: That was inventory thing.
0: Yeah, but not not May of 23. This is May no, 22. of 22. Right, 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 But then, but wait, but then Walmart got their shit together and you could see the stock came in during earnings in May, but recovered and made, and made a new 52-week high. Not the same story for Target. And this is a tremendous gap- Walmart over the last, what is this, three-year chart? Uh, up 10%. Target down 50%. Yeah. So if you want to be gap. a contrarian, if you want to be a contrarian, not very difficult, just say to yourself, I don't think these stores are all that different. One of them is kicking ass and the other one isn't, and they'll figure it out, and that's the one that you buy. I mean, I, if, if, if I had to choose one versus the other for the next 12 months, I'd pick Target over Walmart, just
1: knowing nothing other than, that gigantic gap just seems unreasonable. Uh, next
0: chart. This is this is from the May 22 sell-offs for both. So they both started at the – look, this is like – this is even more pronounced. What is Walmart doing 32% off that low? That, what is Walmart doing that Target isn't? And that's the solution. And they're both doing e-commerce, so don't tell me that. And uh, I, I, I'm really surprised. I mean maybe the guy at Target needs to get fired. I don't know. What, Can I tell you like, something? I mean, I I'm am I'm, I do target pickups twice a week. So buy the stock. Earnings are, uh, I think earnings are tomorrow. I kind of want believe. to. You kind of should. Be somebody. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> Let's okay. move on. Um, last thing on the consumer. We could shut the f*** up already about credit card debt. It's higher, quote unquote higher, because the economy is bigger. It's a denominator issue as much as it is a, a, a credit card debt. Of course, it's higher if the economy is big. I mean, how stupid can you actually be? So, this is the chart that you're seeing Who with are you no con- Who are you yelling at? Uh, I'm shaking my fist at the cloud. This is the chart that you are seeing with no context whatsoever. Thanks to Ryan Dietrich for this. They're just saying, like, credit card debt. Tops one trillion for the first time ever. Don't you think it was scary when it topped one billion for the first time ever? In I don't know, 1975. Was that a sell signal? So uh Dietrich does a really nice job. Uh Ryan Dietrich of uh Carson Group and he's got like twenty or thirty charts. We're not gonna do them all, we're gonna do the first three. And um let's let's pop those bad boys up here. So, is this the first one? Yeah, you oh, can't even see one. it.
1: No, throw, no, throw, that throw was it back it. on. Throw, no, throw it back on.
0: Yeah. Drop it back on. He got it. It, no. it. Okay. So, total
1: total consumer debt. Obviously, mortgages are, I don't know, what, 60%, whatever it is? Then you've got. mortgages
0: yellow. It's almost the entirety.
1: And then you've it's got home equity thing. right above it. Then you've yeah. got cars. Oh, it says right there. Mortgages, 70%. Then you've got cars
0: are 6%, and credit cards, 9%. And it's just eye, eyeball test, Steady as it goes. That's right, that's the, that's the point I want to make on this eyeball test. And guess just, what? I
1: don't know if I have this chart in here for later or, or what. Or what? If you look at the consumer interest expense compared to GDP household
0: yeah. expense, it's down to where it was in two thousand one. People are not overlevered enough. It's the same. Now let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, by the way, that number. Uh this is uh wait, go back to the last chart. This is Dietrich. What stands out, quote, what stands out to me most about the chart above is overall debt was virtually flat the past two quarters from 17.05 to 17.06 trillion tells a much different picture than what the media makes it sound like with all the quote soaring debt, end quote. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh next one. And also, wait, well, hold on, wait, last thing, not to blame the point. But
1: also look at truck back on. Look at look at the, that deleveraging from the GFC. It took like a yeah.
0: decade. Yeah. So calm down. Right. We're we're below we're below trend. We had we had a balance sheet recession that lasted eleven years. Ah, right. right, we're young so past each other. Let's take a break. Okay. Um, this is from the New York Fed's report. Zooming in on the relative size of each part of the debt uh, again. And if you look at credit card debt specifically, it has this is Dietrich consistently stayed in the same range over the long term. So credit card debt might be at a nominal record, but by right. no means are we seeing consumers go nuts buying everything on credit cards more than they have in history. This I call this denominator blindness. All we hear about is the numerator new, at a new high. Hang but in on. a lot of cases, the denominator is okay. So that's no, the, no, that's no, the not, point. No, yeah, you don't call it that. That's what it's called. No, that, that's what Ryan wrote. Um, uh. The last thing on this, <laughs> just to give you, just to give everybody a little context, in the year two thousand. Household net worth was 44 trillion dollars Michael go. would you like to take a case of uh, uh take a guess of what it is today so that it was 44 trillion dollars one overall household net worth one 44 trillion in the year 2000 oh okay uh 70 okay 150 trillion boom so why wouldn't credit card debt be a trillion dollars Grow
1: up there we go
0: blow up okay all right we're moving to oh
1: this is this is interesting I like this. You might have noticed if you buy and sell individual securities that they're kind of not all going up or all going down together, which is actually yeah, the, way like that, the way that it should be. The Fed is no longer manipulating the market. Uh chart on, please. <clears throat> this is from Goldman Sachs. The average sector and average stock correlation is I wish that this chart was zoomed out, but oh well, it's all I got. You know, this is good news. This is good news. Remember risk on, risk off?
0: Yeah. That's for not like this. years. Yeah.
1: That's not this.
0: Right. It's sector by sector. Like like you have weight loss drugs versus regional banks right now. Oh, I think they're not Target, doing the same thing. Target and Walmart is a perfect example of this dichotomy. Yes. Right. Not, there we go. They are not doing the same thing. And just looking at my own, my own individual stocks in, in my portfolio, there are huge differences in the direction. I have huge. stocks making multi-year lows and stocks making multi-year highs. And it's if this is what you were complaining about—that uh, everyone's putting the money into index funds, it's driving everything up—that's no longer a real issue, uh, unless you're not looking. If you're just saying it, you're not looking. Okay. Uh, uh,
1: you know, you know, a lot of this argument was index funds. Index funds. Index yeah. funds are distorting price discovery. Yeah, not anymore. Not Winners anymore. And
0: losers. I hope you're winning. Hope so, you're winning. all right, we, we've been speaking a lot about
1: valuation. This is an interesting table from Goldman via faxed and whatever, whatever. Uh, besides tech, and I, for, I forgive me, I forget who who tweeted this. Besides tech, discretionary and staples, all other sectors are trading at a discount on a forward twelve month PE basis, which is kind of interesting. So you've got the SP and at nineteen point six times. Um, and again, what's above that? Tech is twenty seven. Discretionary, a lot of that's probably Amazon and Tesla, mm. is twenty six. Yeah. And staples. The staples part is is, is head scratching. Can't figure that out. What like you're saying, especially.
0: How especially if
1: they are. Especially given where interest rates are. Because Ben and I were talking today that uh dividend stocks, which are, you know, not all staples, but certainly staples, most staples pay a dividend, are underperforming big time, as they should, right? Uh Pepsi was a bond proxy back in the day. I'll clip my two point six percent coupon, whatever it is, and they're having a really rough year relative to the market as they should when it are five percent.
0: I think there's two things with staples. There are not a lot of them uh of size. There are really? a bunch of yeah, a bunch of small cap staples, but there are not a lot of like the really good ones. Is one, two, their costs of doing business have been falling. Three, they all put through price increases that they are not taking back, and that's that. It's as simple as that, really. They're over earning, and that'll correct. And uh, they should not be making as much money as they are. But just understand their input costs fall, their their end price the consumer sticks. That gap widens and they end up beating on earnings for three or four quarters straight. I think it's really just as simple as that. It's not gonna go on forever. They're gonna start lapping these lower costs next year. And God help them, if costs are starting to rise again. If gasoline, if these things start to get going again, I, I actually think those earnings are at risk. So uh I think it's I think it's not that complex a story. It's a head scratcher. Like, how could this be going on? But it probably won't go on for a long time. Um, can we do some Michael Burry stuff? Let's do it. Okay. Let's let's. They they used to call me back in the day the 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 Velvet Fist. I'm I heard gonna that. yeah. I'm gonna say this really nicely because I have nothing but respect for the investor Michael Burry. I hate the Twitter persona. I really respect the investor. Fully acknowledging for the record, Michael Burry made. One of the hardest to execute, hardest to stick with, greatest trades of all time, documented. And just to remind people, he was buying credit default swaps from people who were offloading that risk on real estate, mortgages, et cetera. They weren't worried about it. He was. So he was buying credit default swaps, which basically was a situation where He had to pay out income in an illiquid market and wait for the housing crash to happen. And every month that went on was another opportunity to give up on the trade or be driven crazy. And he had all sorts of impediments. He had the people at the investment banks telling him, these things are not priced where you think they should be priced. He had investors pulling money away. So I have no- Joel Joel Greenblatt? Yeah, it was, dude. This was a hard, hard thing to do. There were no instruments other than this really exotic way at the, back in those days. Um, Wait, this, is that is that
1: Joel Greenblatt seen in the movie? I can't remember. Joel Greenblatt is a very famous investor, that, that I think seeded Michael Burry. He found him on the message boards, and then he and then he's like, "What are you doing?" The whole and was in his office, like, yeah, yeah, trying to get his
0: money. Yeah. All right. So, real quick, eventually, Burry's analysis proved correct. Like two years a, later, he made a personal profit of a hundred million and a profit for his remaining investors of more than $700 million. This is incredible. Yeah, Scion Capital ultimately recorded returns of 489% net of fees and expenses between its November 1st, 2000 inception and June 08. The S&P in the same time returned 3%. Okay, great. Nobody would dispute any of that. It's amazing. I couldn't have done it. I don't know anyone else that could have done it. Um, that was 16 years ago. And... My opinion is he's really lucky there was no Twitter back then because if there were, I don't think he could have stayed focused on making this trade or executing it for more than a few hours. And I think he would have been way more focused on the attention other people were giving him and how many people disagreed with him. And that is sadly what he seems to have turned into in recent years. And the January one-word tweet, sell, I really dislike that because people have so much respect for this guy. They don't understand the context that he's a hedge fund manager and they're not. They think he's like predicting a crash that they are supposed to react to. And that hurts people, honestly. Like if you look at the probability of a crash, we've only had 13 bear markets in this country's history. Thirteen. It, and crashes are even more rare than bear markets. It's like literally – a small Five. handful. Yeah. It's, so to do stuff like that, when you know your audience is a bunch of f***ing retail nobodies on Twitter, like relying on you for some reason, it, you know that they're doing, you know that they love you, you know that they're afraid when you say to be afraid. So I don't think somebody in his position should be doing that. Now he stopped tweeting and he's letting his filings talk for him. But again, I know that he knows the impact that his filings have. Um, well, when, I'm a, I, you can't be mad at his filings. No, I just, I just don't, I just don't love it. I, this is, uh, it's the you media can't be, more you than can't, him. You, it's yeah, the you media can't be, more than him.
1: You know why it's the media more than him? You can't be mad at how he's trading. Come on, that's not fair. Of course not. No, you know what? You know, you know what? The media did not cover who whose portfolio is I don't know five ten times larger. David Tepper, who was super bullish based on his thirteen f Did you see any coverage of that? No, it's such because a, it's he's such not a great, managing
0: money for other people It doesn't matter. So neither
1: is, neither no, is I is I'm,
0: I'm saying I feel like he doesn't really get that much attention anymore. It does, it's, this, is, this is the perfect example of how the media behaves. You're right. David
1: Tepper, who has a much longer, much more successful long-term track record of generating wealth, and it's, it's not just one great trade, was completely not reported.
0: Uh, so J, so J, and Roo he loaded
1: t- up. He like tripled his exposure in, in all of
0: these tech stocks. So I have a, I'm in a big group text with like a lot of guys that are not in, like not professionals in the market. They do other stuff. JRU yeah. sends a, a barstool Twitter link. Barstool is covering right, right, Michael right. Burry. Yeah, yeah. The, the I mean the piece was hard. It was like a guy that's like I don't even invest. So I don't care about this. But blank, 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 and it was like they picked up that two billion dollar figure. I don't blame, blame, but I I, can't blame,
1: you can't blame Barstool. You blame like people, no, uh, media, Media, that you know better. But the other
0: thing about these 13 Fs. Stop, stop, stop. stop. What What I'm saying is Barstool sees an interesting story. And the only reason they're writing about it is because of the movie that everyone loved. Yeah, yeah. Big short. Yeah. And Bury was played by Christian Bale. So of course this is going to cross over. I don't blame anybody. I'm just saying I see now how this could spread for people that are unsophisticated or don't know what they're reading, oh, I blame people that
1: who report that Michael Burry bought one point six billion dollars worth of puts. I blame them, and they can should you, know better. All right, can so you wait, you yeah, unpack so that for everyone. Yeah, so okay. we'll go, we'll go there. But one last thing: if you look at his previous thirteen F, Michael Burry versus the recent one, there was not a hundred percent turnover. But this guy's not invest. No, he's not buying and holding. There was a lot of turnover, a ton of turnover, and it's as of June thirtieth. Guess what the market did in July? pretty damn well, right? Who well, knows if he even ha- who knows if he even still has these? What if they were one
0: week options? We don't even know what the expiration We don't know the expiration. Is. So all right, let's get to some of the memes. We don't know the we don't know the the strikes, do we? There's no strikes in the file. No.
1: No, you don't know. So okay, so so Memon, Memon, please. All right, this is from at Kate, whatever. Um this person wrote, "Derivatives on 13F's are reported as notional values," which right. means 20,000 one week, 350 SPY puts. So that would be the strike price, 350, costing a penny each worth $20,000. Okay. So that would be the outlay would be reported as 20,000 contracts times 100 times the SPY 100%. price is $886 million. This is how it works. This is all leverage, okay? It's all leverage. He didn't put one – he's not risking 93% of his portfolio. He doesn't have that much. It options that are going to expire,
0: most likely worthless. Honestly, a 30-second Google search would tell you he doesn't have that much money, even if he wanted to make that bet, which I don't think he does. So, so, so let's just give one more one more breakdown of how how this works from Spot Gamma. Thank you, per- Spot
1: Gamma. Uh, the the money amount listed on the 13F is not the premium value. The premium is how much it costs, but rather the value of shares the position represents. Again, it's a multiplier. That's leverage. Okay, so if you back out the S, the S P 500 value, uh, two that's that's four hundred forty three dollars for I guess this is like estimated with the strike price. He owns twenty thousand S P Y puts. Likely worth tens of millions of dollars.
0: Yeah. Uh, which he's which he bearish. says, okay.
1: So yeah, listen, if, if he's right and he still holds these, assuming that the expiration was, I'm assuming he's not buying weeklies, I'm, I'm sure he's not, then he's going to make a ton of money. But this idea that he bought $1.6 billion worth of puts is is a scare tactic at, you know, at best. Th-
0: right, and you know, there's also a world where the market corrects 15%. He cleans up and everyone having seen that filing would have been better off doing nothing. Because the market recovers faster than they could sell at the top and buy back at the bottom. And he is not a financial advisor, and he doesn't care about you. Um, When he tweets sell, he probably will never do that again. In real life, he cares about himself. He's a a professional. This is what he's supposed to be doing. It's not – the implication is not, oh, if he's doing that, I should do that. You're not. Would you watch Evil Knievel jump sixteen school buses on a motorcycle and think that's advice for you? I mean, come oh, on. Oh, how about this?
1: Look at LeBron James's diet. You could follow his diet. Are you a professional basketball player? Right. It's and just, again, look at David Tepper, who is equally, uh, if not not equally, he's much more successful
0: of an investor. With all due respect, and he was super bullish, super bullish. Yeah, so some of this is the media. It's salacious, and it look everybody. It's cl- we're in a click economy. It's an attention economy. I fine. I get it. Everyone's got an advertising model. I t- it's totally fine. So so, but it's on us, normal people, whether we're reading about health breakthroughs, like articles that that are advertising a, a cure for for cancer. Like we just all have to go into this stuff, being like, why am I being served this this article? In whose interest is is this? It's in no one's interest to inform me. It's in a lot of people's interest to get me to pay attention to something. So if we all wake up and start our day that way, then we're not resharing Michael Burry just shorted $2 billion worth of S&P. Like that's, I I think, the biggest take. You can't stop people from investing they want to invest. I totally agree with you, Mike. It's We have to control ourselves and the media is not going to do it for us. And one, one, one last thing, just to put a ball on this, so again, this
1: was as of the end of June. So let's, let's not pretend that he bought them on June 30th, uh, which even after this, you know, narrow, the shallow decline of whatever, three, 4% of the S and P chart off, please. We don't do this. Thank you. Um, so if he bought this any time in the prior three months, he's well underwater, depending on where the option expiration is, right? These things decay pretty quickly. So he's not making money on this trade yet. All right. It's enough. I think, I think everyone gets a point. Uh, all right. Uh, We've been beating this into the ground, but I think it's really important. So this chart from Bank of America is one that I've used, I think, three times now on the show. Why are higher interest rates impacting the economy the way that we Mm, thought they would? Well, again, more than 75% of U.S. corporate debt is long-term fixed. We're going to run through some charts and then I'll hand it over to you, Josh. Uh, Next chart, please. This is from Sam Rowe. Uh, Nearly half of F&P 500 debt is set to mature after 2030. Listen, remember in... Chart off, please. Remember in 2020 or maybe 21 when Microsoft issued bonds at like two and a half percent or something like ludicrous? These companies absolutely gorged on cheap debt as they should. So if rates are higher today, but you locked in low rates yesterday, all us equal and it's not the higher interest expense is not hitting you. So this is how you could see this textbook breakdown, meaning that this is like the opposite of what textbooks say. This this destroyed everything you would see in a textbook. Next chart, please. So corporate interest costs, basically borrowing costs, as a percent of profits, typically track or lag Fed funds rates or a borrowing costs. right? If interest, if, if interest rates go up, so should your expenses. Uh-uh, not this time. So you see the blue line is a Fed funds rate. The Black yeah. line is the corporate interest costs a percent of profits of the yeah, uh, it's not
0: going, any, it's not going and anywhere.
1: It's, it's the lowest it's been in <laughs> 60 years because the higher rates aren't impacting them. Now it doesn't mean that they never will. And if you're not, if you if you have floating rate, yeah, you're you're in a world of pain. Matter of fact, the next chart shows exactly what I'm talking about. So this is from I believe this is from Apollo. The negative effects of higher cost of capital continue. So these are US bankruptcy filings. You see when the Fed started raising rates, and this this likely will continue to, to rise because companies that don't have the benefit to be able, that that aren't able to tap public markets uh that do rely on on floating uh interest rates they're they're yeah they feel it
0: big time i yeah i think you'll see this show up in uh historically what what typically happens is you see this start to show up in the companies that have the most debt and the most economic sensitivity so that would be small cap industrials small cap oil and gas companies it's it's companies it's a it's a double hit. The economy's not great and their costs to borrow and roll debt go up. Um but you will you will see that um in you will see that when some of these ETFs tracking you know uh corp corporate debt start to start to blow out. It's not None happening, of that is yet. happening yet. It's not happening yet. It's not happening
1: yet. Just wait. So just Sam just wait. also, I don't have this, this chart in there, but Sam also, if you're not subscribed to Sam Rowe at TKER.com.com, whatever you should be. He, he has a chart showing um, the interest coverage ratio. Basically, how much money are they making divided by their interest expense for high-yield companies? And guess what? They're super covered. Like, they are good. Yeah. yeah. doesn't mean that they will be forever, but right now, they're still good.
0: Another thing that's interesting that's a different dynamic than the great financial crisis, the last real cyclical downturn, is that there is just there is just oceans of OPM, other people's money, sitting in the banks of private equity firms, just distressed firms, all kinds of funds that are just dying for something to get cheaper in price. And they just come in and they snap it up. And you could say, well, that'll, and yeah, but like in 10 years, maybe. I saw a headline
1: today. I didn't have time to read the article About funds being raised to buy distressed commercial real estate already. Yeah,
0: they're already starting. Yeah. This Yeah. uh, This is Wall Street Journal. This is the headline. Wall Street is ready to scoop up commercial real estate on the cheap. Oh, yeah, firms are raising billions of dollars. I'm sorry, there's too much money. There's too, too much, much money. money. I have always, I have always said this. Uh, that you're exactly right. There's too much money. That's too hungry for returns. They're buying things before they even get cheap. And I don't know what changes that, but we did a lot of of printing, and it's still, it's still circulating out there in the economy. So that's the story. Okay. Uh, I'm up and I'm doing um, what Oh, am I doing? This is oh. a great
1: idea and I think we should I think the audience is going to love if, we, if they're able to play along with us. We should just so I read
0: an article about one of the people and I just said to myself this got to be his worst summer ever. And then I was thinking like who's having the who's having the best su- all right we'll go name for name. I don't know wait, how many you la- have. Wait 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 lay it out for the audience. What are we doing right now? Who's having the best summer? We'll start with who's having the best summer do you think on Wall Street? Uh John, you're gonna pop mine up. Wait, hang on. First, before we go, this is important. This is, we've never done it before. Josh asked me
1: to come up with two or three names of people on Wall Street that are having the best summer and the worst summer, and I thought that was a great idea. We should do this more often. Back
0: did, over you put, did you put me for worst? I should have. No, no, no. I, I think
1: we. I think we have. We have. I think we will have at least one of the worst combined. We will definitely not have the best. You go first.
0: All right. Let's do one of my best. Are you doing best first? Might take this. Might take John a minute. Yeah, best first. Okay. Worst is more right. fun. Okay. All right, John. I'm not calling it out. Okay. I get, here's my two: Jensen Wang and yep. Mark Zuckerberg. Good and answers. I'll just so Jensen Wang's net worth. I think is th- <laughs> I think it's thirty six billion dollars now. Is that or notional? Co- yeah, notional. Uh, he. Uh, this is the wealthiest he's ever been, and it started off in May with his tremendous guide up, and they'll report next week. Explain who he is. Jensen Wang is the founder and CEO of Nvidia. He's been there since the beginning. He's the innovator. He's the guy that pivoted this from video games to to, uh, AI. And uh, he saw all of this coming like 10 years in advance. And he's just, this is the summer where everything that he's been building is like now monetized. You know who deserves credit for being bullish on Nvidia? Me. A long, long time ago, before you,
1: Mark, Mark Andreessen.
0: And me. And also you had Andreessen and then got bullish. <sighs> Andreessen probably made a lot more money than I did. Uh, the other guy is Zuckerberg. A year ago at this time, they were basically saying, can he be kicked out of his job? And uh, <clears throat> and now he's got a share price heading back toward all-time record highs. He's got Wall Street eating out of his whoa, hand whoa, once whoa, again. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think it's that close to record highs, is heading it? Heading back toward... Was the operative phrase, and oh wow, and That's pretty close. He's got the richest man in the world afraid to fight him, because not only did he turn his company around, at the same time he got into Jean Claude Van Damme 1991 Yo, fighting shape. Did you what? know
1: that Jean Claude JCVD was supposed to be the predator?
0: I, I I saw that recently on social media somewhere.
1: That that blew my face right off. So. Uh Facebook, in the suit though. In the suit. In the suit. In the, yeah, in the suit. Yeah. Facebook was in a see, I'm using white charts right now. 77% drawdown. Oh my god. It's now 21% from an all-time high. That's incredible. Uh
0: yeah. So those are my best. Who are your best? Let's 87
1: to 300. Uh, John, chart on, please. <clears throat> so I took this literally, Josh. I really thought you meant like Walt, like finance,
0: financiers? So oh, Buffett's having a hot girl summer for sure. So Warren Buffett, yeah,
1: look at this, right? I mean, killing it. Stock at an all-time high, and then the other one, da da da, da.
0: Wow. All right, say more. I, mean, I this, love kid this li- I love I love
1: this kid. <laughs> is this kid living his best life? He so really Jack Jack Raines is uh, an incredibly impressive young man. He's he's smart. He's wise. He's funny. Um, and he, he knows how to live life. He's traveling right now around the world. I forget where he is, but I mean, look at that guy, look at that smile, look at that drink. He's doing it right.
0: Yeah. Uh, and we had Jack on a recent episode of the compound and friends. If you missed it, go back and find it. He is unbridled and hilarious. All
1: right. I'll I'll start with worst. Okay. Uh, we definitely share the number one person. It's David Solomon, right?
0: Yeah, I have him on my list. This yeah. article this article is really rough, bad. Rough. I, mean, I didn't you
1: know, I left a lot out, but
0: it's like way too it's like way too personal, I think. They're just they're just they're well, cutting his un, throat. It's untenable. He's 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 gone. He's gone. If the if will the, he make it to the end of the year? I don't think if so. The, if the oral sex remark is real, like if he really said that it's bad. I mean, who even knows real or, or fake, but just the fact that people believe that he said that is bad enough, it's bad. It's a bad situation. Um, and then
1: uh, and then I put Schwab. You see this, this like headline yesterday, Charles Schwab, Charlie Chucky Schwab. This might be a bit of a stretch,
0: but uh, they, well, so can I say one thing? They yeah, did say that they expected attrition because they're not going to support um all of the all of the smaller firms the way that TD was. So they tell they telegraphed that they don't care as much about the lowest tier of client. Whether it's retail or on the institutional side, all right. Advisors.
1: Here's what, but the numbers I think are, are maybe larger than the street expected. Uh, they said Citywire reported four percent of TD Ameritrade's revenue before the deal. That's what the attrition is, or about one percent of combined total assets. Total assets of both two. That's that's not nothing. One percent of total assets <laughs> have have left the firm. Yeah, it's not nothing.
0: That's like there's trillions of dollars there. Mm. Right. It's. I mean, the firm got so much bigger. Yeah, they like they took. <laughs> They took a trillion and added eight hundred billion to it. Like it's and and the stock is about to close the gap as all gaps do. Honestly, if you if you do a merger that involves millions of customers and you only lose one percent of assets, I think you're the biggest winner on earth.
1: Yeah. My honest that's opinion. a good point.
0: That's a good point. Who, you know, who like, do you have for losers? Uh I forgot already. John. Okay. So Desal. Uh, oh, I mean yeah. SPF, they just threw him in jail in Brooklyn. They I put know him the jail in, he's at, I think. They put him in Shkreli jail, like real jail. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, Uncle Uncle Carl, this this is the I, th- I think this Tough is seat. the end. Tough scene. I think I think he's gonna have to unwind this thing and just go private. He lost half his money, in in from he lost half his money from a tweet storm. I mean, it's really bad. Like that's and not just his money, his his legacy, his reputation. I don't know what they do now. Like his kid takes over and they stop being so vocal and they just go quiet. I really, I don't really understand like quite what you do at this point, because if you're going to be an activist, you need the threat that like, I'll, I'll buy you just to burn you to the ground. Like you need to be able to do that shit and you can't do it now. Yeah. They don't have the liquidity to, to use the same tactics that they've been using for 30 years. So I don't really know what you do as a, Oh no, that's, that's no, you can't fix that. You can't fix it, so no. now you no. you have to convert to family office and get that publicly traded thing off the market. Just close it somehow. Borrow the money to get rid of it. Get rid of your outside investors and just like just quietly. And SBF, this idiot, this guy is literally literally the prime suspect in one of the biggest frauds in history, and he's leaking the diary excerpts of of his of his former girlfriend. Um, as if there's any way in hell that's going to help. I don't know what he's thinking it's going to help the jury pool. The whole thing is madness to me. The best thing they could do is take away his, uh, his phone and his computer. He's definitely not doing himself any favors in the eyes of any court by leaking things to New York Times reporters. So I actually, I actually think they're, they're helping him out. Um, all right. I mean, it's a fun game to play. Obviously, we don't root for anybody to not have a great summer. But for those who are having a great summer, congratulations. We salute you. All right. uh,
1: Last week or a couple of weeks ago, one of the bear cases that Yardini threw out and that a lot of bears have thrown out is margin deteriorating, right? Maybe like that would be like the next thing. Uh, Well, actually.
0: Sembleist was saying that too.
1: Yeah, a lot of of people were throwing that out. Uh, S&PX energy profit margins have sequentially
0: improved by quite a bit. Look at this. Pretty wild. Yeah. And this is just net profit margin. So that's my, my a, favorite, what is this, 11, 11.5% profit my, margin?
1: My favorite quote of the year, I think this was from Sevilla, but I'm not positive. It was, I think, well, whatever. It was like, never underestimate the
0: ability of American corporations to retain their margins. Right. So what we're showing here is that margins peaked in the second quarter of 2021 at 12.5%. And for all the talk about pressures, pressures, you would think that they'd be at like Nine, 9 or 10% right. right now. They're at 11.5% in the second quarter of uh, 2023, X financials and energy. And so that's you could pretty see, damn good.
1: So you could see top-line slow down and margins improving and, and voila, you know, not so bad. Um, I saw a tweet from Barry Schwartz that I thought was worth mentioning in light of my Apple discussion last week. Another super cycle coming for Apple iPhone is 25% of the installed base is due for an upgrade. Um, so last week, off, uh, tweet off, last, <coughs> last week I was talking about how Apple has now declined re- – revenue has declined for three consecutive quarters year over year. And I, But in fairness, I did mention that it happened in the past. I think one thing that I underestimated or I probably should have failed to mention was that when the next iPhone drops – so next chart please. When the next iPhone drops – so you see these spikes, right? Like on the top is iPhone revenue. You see those, you see those spikes, and they're not, they're yeah. not by accident. They're cyclical. So one is probably coming in the not too distant future. What is it, iPhone
0: fifteen or something? Yeah, I have uh, four people in my house with iPhones. Every year we were due for an upgrade. Like somebody's phone is due every year. Like just, just this is how it is now. Yeah. And it's a replacement. It's a replacement business as much as it used to be a growth business, and that's good enough. Still mm. selling phones. Still selling phones. Uh. All right. What else do we have on that That's set? That's All right, let's make the case. Two weeks ago, I made the case to avoid Schrodinger, which was a once hot AI play that I think I had kind of like showed most people for the first time in February when I was writing about the five AI publicly traded companies. And it was like low 20s and it went to over 50 and I traded it for five points. But um I wanted to kind of just say like this Take is the type lap. of stock that's well this is the type of stock that's getting killed on earnings and that call turned out you know it, it didn't have to that turned out to be a good call it's now Excellent 31% uh, below call. where they reported earnings in mid July and probably gets go, my my guess uh goes lower and it's not cuz the company's horrible the amount of hype in these stocks relative to the amount of actual fundamental change is ridiculous um Today is something a little bit different. PayPal has already blown up by my count five separate times in the last three years. Uh, do we have a chart of PayPal? Can we throw this up? Dude, it's in an 80% drawdown. I can't believe you're saying avoid. void. Well, this actually, it got worse today. And and uh, here's, this, here's the deal, Mike. I think this is a $50 or lower stock. And you might say, what's the big deal? Well, 60 to 50 is like another 20%. And a lot of people have the whole way down been saying it's cheap, it's cheap, it's cheap. Yeah. I think it's a I think it's the perfect example of a value trap. So that's what I want to spend a minute yeah. here on. Go okay. Ahead. Um, it's been a value trap the whole way down. They still have four hundred thirty-five million users. Nobody is denying they have a massive quote unquote user footprint. Um, but I think they've been permanently disrupted by the Apple Pay button and, 100%. The, and the Google Pay button no on doubt. every e-commerce site. And it just takes PayPal out of the middle and everyone is better off. Everyone has a credit card on their iPhone, everyone. So why would you need another method of payment? You don't. And this is, I think, gonna, you're gonna see that 435 million user base eventually drop to like 300 million and it's going to take years. So I just think no, it's it pain. You think it'll be all at once? No, I think they're going to get bought. That's possible. It's a $60 billion market cap and there is value here. And um, So how, how valuable is Venmo? So make your, case, make your case, go, go, go. Well, they just put a new CEO in and he's not there to get bought. He's there to buy. PayPal's strategy on a go forward basis is M&A. And the way you know that, this kid, Alex Chris, who they hired, was the kid who pulled off the MailChimp acquisition for Intuit. He's a buyer. He's not a seller. And I think they want to go on offense and they want to get into new areas because there's very little money to be made here with Apple basically taking over the, 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 the uh, shopping carts on all these sites. Now, you might say Venmo. And I use Venmo and I think it's amazing. I love it. Everyone that uses it loves it. How much do you pay Venmo? The answer is you pay zero dollars. The only way they make money from Venmo is with third party deals with businesses that want to accept Venmo. It's 2.9% PayPal charges them in order to accept Venmo for payment. How badly do people want to pay? Uh, do people want to accept Venmo that they're willing to give 3% of their transactions I mean, to PayPal? How is that so much different than the than the credit cards? Yes. Okay. And keep in mind the credit cards are on PayPal. People are using their credit cards on PayPal. So it's a charge and a charge. It's 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 tough. They were early, they innovated, they became really widespread during the pandemic, and they are now at a six-year low. The stock is the same price it was in August of 2017. Rough. And the worst news. Elliott Associates last night told us this Paul Singer, one of the great activists, uh, threw in the towel. They, uh, they put a $2 billion investment in this company into their fund uh, a year ago, a lot of fanfare. And they probably looked at this a year later and said, this is not about cutting costs and changing CEOs. This is a seriously technologically challenged business. And they sold, they wiped out the whole position. I don't know what price because it's as of the end of last quarter, but they were buyers between 90 and 100 reportedly a year ago. So uh, you got a new CEO, maybe he'll try to do acquisitions. The activists have thrown in the towel. The stock is breaking six-year lows. Yes, it's 20 times earnings. I understand that. There's no reason why this couldn't be 10 times earnings if earnings are projected to decline. So Um, here's my three charts and then I'm done. Okay. Price chart. Now let's add PE ratio. You understand where this is headed? Um, Now let's add uh, this is the most important thing revenue. This is revenue growth quarter over quarter, uh, quarterly, year over year revenue growth. It is now 7%. At the height of the pandemic, it was plus 30%. That's going to go negative, in my opinion. And when it does, people will not be paying 17 times earnings for PayPal. So that is my my uh, that is my uh, make the case. I'm making the case that it's tempting to buy a stock in a 75% drawdown. 80. It doesn't 80. It doesn't always work. No, the 100% right. 100%. PayPal will will.
1: I can't imagine what would have to happen for them to make a new all time high. Probably never will happen. Uh, but a All stock time, started, they don't need an
0: oil. Oh, was a $300 stock. Yeah, yeah. The, the stock people the would stock, be happy if it would the go 20 is down,
1: is, is down 80% from an inflated, an inflated value. No doubt. It's trading at 12 times forward earnings, which, you know, could be lower. And everything that you just said is probably right about it being structurally impaired. And, uh, I would argue at some point, I don't know if it's today, at some point, all of that news, and then some, becomes discounted in the stock. Sure. So one caveat I will, I, is I, I a short I will,
0: squeeze could take it a lot higher in the short I, term.
1: I will, I will buy the stock. I hope at some point, um, but not today.
0: Wow, you're gonna go against me?
1: Yeah, I, I think this, will. I think this will outperform. Let's put a timestamp. PayPal will outperform the S
0: and P over the next twelve months. What if they, what if they bought Coinbase? I would, if they did, I would cover my short. If they just took over crypto. And then, and then you got ETF approvals.
1: Just a I whiff of my just a whiff of anything good, in this this thing will be up forty percent in three weeks. Duncan wants us to put money on this. How much? How much money? No, I'm, I'm to buy
0: I'll, I'll tell you when I we buy it. Venmo, we could Venmo each other. I'll,
1: if I if I buy it, I'll let you know. One. You should buy. You should buy toast instead. But I will. I will. Definitely. No, I will definitely wait for it to stop crashing,
0: which it has not done yet. Uh, you should buy GitHub instead. I got <laughs> so many. It. I got so many better. Uh, I got so many better software, play- all right, let's keep going. Mystery chart and then we're oh,
1: out. Oh, oh, mystery chart. John, what do we got? Chart on, please. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> this is incredible. All right. So okay. let's just take a minute. Let's just take a minute. It's so a this is char- 2010. A chart. Up 38, up 24. Sorry, I'm reading numbers. I know you could say it. Up 17. One bad year in 2013. Up 27. Flat, flat. Up 27, flat. Up 58, up 64. Up a little, down a little. Up 21. So this chart since 2010 has averaged 17% a year. It's on average, 17% a year. Pause. Is this a stock or an ETF? It is one stock compared to one index. Oh,
0: this is a stock versus an index. And we spoke right. about, we
1: spoke about the stock today.
0: Apple versus S P five hundred.
1: See, I give the best the best uh clues don't No, I? I'm just Good very, for you. I'm
0: just very smart. That's okay. all it is. How
1: nuts is this? this is Apple has nuts. on average beat the SP. Look at 2020,
0: record. look at 2020, look at 2020. Did
1: the stock double? Uh I think so. It might have. Yeah. Because SP oh was up God. 30%. So so Apple has beat the SP on average 17% a year for since 2010. That is incredible. So Shit. what we just what we just discussed with PayPal. Apple is in the opposite so which situation now. Calling a top, I'm not doing it. Calling a top is ludicrously hard; it's impossible. Um, but we just know that this is this for this to continue would be really, really, really miraculous.
0: It will not continue. Uh, How about that? It will not do that for the next 13 years. There's no way. Does Apple does Apple outperform the S and P if we get uh, a bear market? Uh, yes. in 2024. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so too. Yeah, so yeah. it's I kind of understand it. I kind of understand. It's a lot of buyback activity. Oh, I understand it too. It's the, the it's the best it has, company in the, has, the world. It has, it has,
1: it has smashed expectations every single year.
0: Almost, it's incredible. It's incredible. Right. Absolutely but, incredible. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here, guys. I wanted to say thank you so much for joining us for the live. For those of you listening to us on the new uh, podcast that we're we're dropping on the Compound and Friends feed, we really appreciate that as well. If you like what we do, make sure to leave a review and a rating and a positive comment. Uh, And we read them all and we love them and we really appreciate that. Uh, Last things last, brand new episode of my favorite podcast coming tomorrow, Animal Spirits with Michael and Ben. Uh, A new Ask the Compound live on YouTube Thursday afternoon and then Friday. The Compound and friends with special guests and we're going to have a lot of fun on this week's show Thanks again, guys. Hope everybody has a great night and we'll talk to you soon. Good night. Whether you're just getting started as an investor or you're managing a multi-million dollar portfolio, Ritholtz Wealth Management has the solution for you. It all starts with building the right financial plan. To speak with a certified financial planner today, visit ritholtzwealth.com. Don't forget to check us out at youtube.com thecompoundrwm make sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcasting app. If you love investing podcasts, check out Michael and Ben every Wednesday morning on Animal Spirits. Thanks for listening. Ritholtz Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Ritholtz Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as and may not be used in connection with an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or hold an interest in any security or an investment product. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risk and possible launch of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Ritholtz Wealth Management unless a client service agreement is in place.